I am super excited for us to cast vision for 2020. I've actually been looking forward to it. And it really it gives us a chance again to say, who are we and where are we going? Because how many of you, we can come together and we can enjoy the sermon and we can enjoy the worship and all that, but we're going somewhere together. And, I, and it's good for us to be moving in the same direction and to know how to partner with that. And so I've been really excited um, to do that. And um, today was the day and we're a little bit sidetracked. Let me tell you why. Um, after preaching on the seed and the soil last week, there were so many questions about just being in God's word. I was like, we need to do that. Like, we need to close that up right before we move on to something else because God's word is the foundation for everything in our lives. It's foundational. Every single question my husband and I have, we're like, well, what does Jesus say? Like, I don't care what the latest talk show said, or the latest book said, or the, the latest Facebook person saying, I finally have all the answers in life. Like, all of that's irrelevant compared to the word of God. It stands forever. Cultures change. The word of God stands forever. And so um, I'm so excited that people are really aggressively wanting to incorporate the word in their life and wanting to learn how they can strengthen themselves in the Lord. And so I don't want to miss that, that hunger, that window. I want to finish that, even though I'm so excited for us to, to cast vision for 2020. So we're going to go back to Matthew 13 and do a little more work today because I want to button that up right um, and that's a big part of where we're going as a church anyway. Pressing into God for ourselves, corporately, individually. Um, and so we'll be touching on some themes that are about what we're going for 2020, but I want to finish this right. Um, I do want to say, just I can't wait to say it till next week. I've been popping to say it. Um, I really feel like there's times where you feel like God just gives you a sense of, of um, things are going to happen next. How many of you have a prophetic sense? I think this is God. You want to handle it humbly and steward that humbly. Like, I could be wrong, but it feels like this is what God is saying, right? I think we see that example of how to handle what God is saying in the Word. In um, Acts 15, when Paul and the Judaizers come back to the head of the church, which is in Jerusalem, they come to the people and they have an argument. And they want the church to settle the argument between Paul and these Judaizers who disagree with Paul. And so they, they tell, the, they, before the church, they talk about the problem. And then the elders discuss the problem with, with James, who's the pastor. And then James comes out and says, here's what we've decided. It's in Acts chapter 15. And when James comes out with a decision, he says, it seems good to us and to the Lord that this is what we would do. And I love that example of how we handle how, what God is speaking to us. Like, it seems good to me in the Holy Spirit that this is what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, may, we could get it wrong, right? There's a humility in it. Um, but we feel like this is what God is saying. And we want to be able to follow that and, and have room. How many of you know you have to have room to fail if you're ever going to try? And we believe that everyone should be pressing into hearing the voice of God and what he's saying. And if you're going to do that and you're going to press in more and more to hear his voice, there's got to be some room to fail. When my kids learned how to walk, they took one step and fell. And we took a picture of it. We praised it. We thought it was amazing, right? Um, we didn't say, oh my goodness, clearly you can take a step. Just walk already. People learn by taking a step and falling down. That's how we learn. And so there's got to be freedom. But 
Um, so when I release you, I, I just, there's a sense you get sometimes, like of the season you're in, the things that God is speaking. And one of the things, there's been a lot of things God's been speaking to me, but one of the things I have felt so keenly, and I'm so excited about it, um, oh, I don't know what get, because I'm, I'm not sad, I'm excited, but you know sometimes when God's speaking, you, it's like all your insides want to come out, and then that just looks like crying. Okay, I don't want to do that. Um, I really feel like there's just a sense I have that there's been almost like a season as a church and some individuals in the church, but as a church, but it's, it's even more poignant, um, more intense for some individual lives in the church. But I just feel like there's a season where it's almost like God's like, there's been like a hibernation, you know, like bears when it's winter, they, they hibernate, they get nutrients and they go hibernate. And that's what like, they're still for a time. And then when it's spring, they wake up like, we're so ready to go. I almost feel like there's been a season where it's almost felt like hibernation, you know? And I think as a church, that's true. I just feel like we're coming into a season this year where it's like, there are things that are gonna seemingly come easy and go fast. And it's like, where did that come from? But for the people who've been in the cave, they're like, oh no, <laughs> like I know where that came from. Like there's been years of praying some things through. There's been years of planting seed. There's been years of believing God for certain things. And I, I really believe, this is just, it's just all the insides being so happy. I really believe like there's things that are gonna pop and people are gonna be like, that's amazing. That comes so easy for you. You're gonna be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like this came through a long season. Like this is what, it, faithfulness is success. Faithfulness is success. Like this came out of just faithfulness. And just believing God and saying, God, I know who you are. How many of you have stuff where you're like, this thing needs to pop? This thing, I've been, uh, Shanna does, Ben does, Danielle does. Okay. And you can just feel it. And it didn't just happen all of a sudden. You can see that God has been seeding things for years. And now you can see how it's all going to come together. How many of you had just had that sense? You can see how there's threads he's pulled together. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know that's what you were doing four years ago. I didn't even know that was part of three years ago and 10 years ago. And so excited. So come next week. Okay, because <laughs> we're going to Matthew 13 today. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. As you're turning there, just know for some of you, it's been a long slog. It hasn't been a waste. God doesn't waste a thing. Some of you, there's been a long journey to get to where you're about to come into in this year, and none of it was wasted. Hasn't been a waste. None of it's going to get wasted. Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. I'll just read it again. We read it last week, but in case you weren't here, it's just good to read the Word. Just good for us to get on the same page. So I'm going to read through Matthew 13. It's the parable of the sower and the soil. And we're, we looked last week at checking the soil of our own heart. When the word of God comes to us, what kind of soil is it landing on? In my own heart. That's a good. How many of you need heart checkups regularly? There's definitely times I'll hear something God's doing, and I'm surprised the soil it lands on. Or the word of the Lord will come, like I'll read the word, and I'm just surprised the soil it lands on. Because I'm like, oh, that soil was kind of rocky. I'm sorry, Lord. What happened to my heart? And that issue, how many of you have been there where you didn't even realize, like, the word of God exposes that there's like not all good soil <laughs> sitting in there. And we have a choice to make. 
we can respond to him and say, God, I repent. Just this past week, I, not this, it's just this week I had this with my husband, but it's been happening over time. Like, if you'd asked me six months ago, like, are you rebellious? I'd be like, by nature, I am a lawbreaker. Like, you know, kids come out of the chute and they're different. Um, my brother and sister are kind of rule keepers. They're more, well, Shanna for sure. <laughs> you know, came out rule keepers and right when, when we would be, when it would be over our bedtime and we'd still be watching TV, Sunday night, you could get through Love Boat, but Fantasy Island was, that was, you were supposed to be in bed by Fantasy Island. Just telling you, not that kids should be watching either of those, but, um, and occasionally on Sunday night, Fantasy Island would start, the plane, the plane, and we'd be like, we're watching it, we're watching it, we're watching it, they forgot, they haven't sent us to bed, right, it was so exciting, but Shannon would always be like, mom, I think it's bedtime, we're like, shut up! We're about to get to watch Fantasy Island. What are you doing? <laughs> Rule keeper by name. Like just, I want to do what's right. How many of you relate to that? I just want to do what's right. My, um, my son, Dane, you can't speed in our car without him being like, you know what? I think God said, he literally says this to us. I think God said that we're supposed to obey those in authority over us. And there's a speed limit that people in authority over us set. And you're breaking it. And that's a sin. He wants, you got to keep the rules. You got to do his righteous. I came out the other shoot. <laughs> um, I came out the shoot where I was like, rules are meant to be broken, right? I don't live a boring life, do whatever else is doing, right? How many of you can relate? This. <laughs> Rule keepers are like, really? <sighs> Most of us who came out this other shoot, we, the eye roll we have down, right? Oh, which I did read this past year, the number one um, predictor of divorce in a marriage is contempt. That's the number one predictor, contempt. And do you know what the most often physical sign of contempt is? <gasps> Conviction. I'm telling you all this to say, um, if you said, I, but I, I'm, I'm a believer, right? So I've gotten saved and God redeems our, our old nature and all that. So if you said, are you rebellious six months ago? I'd be like, no, like I, I really do have a heart to follow Jesus. My inclination is to break the rule, but I, I am not. And God has been showing me like, there's areas of like rebellion in my heart. Like just over the past like six months, he's like, yep, that's rebellion. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, maybe it is, right? How many, the soil of our heart, like you have to, there's times where God, he can't tell, show you all the stuff at once or you die, right? So there's times where like, I'm doing great. And then he'll just say, okay, we're ready to go further. And he'll give you more insight into how to move closer to him. And you're like, how long has that been sitting there? Because I didn't even, how many of you like, you're surprised sometimes by what's in your own heart. You're like, I didn't even know that was there. But clearly it's been there for a while. I need to let God, so part of what we need to do is check the soil of our own hearts. And the best way to do that is say, when the word of God goes out, what's my response to it? What do I do with it? What kind of soil is it hitting? And that's gonna be the best indication of the soil of your heart. And guess what? The soil of your heart doesn't just affect your relationship with God. It'll affect your relationship with every single thing around you and every single person around you. When the soil of your heart is right toward God, it's gonna bring life to everything around you. When you get your back up against God, it will affect every single relationship, every single thing. How many of you have found that? 
right? So it's a really good check for us. So the first thing we're looking at, what's the soil of our heart look like? And the second thing we looked at is, what does it look like when I'm the sower of the seed that is the word of God and it hits different kinds of soil? How do I deal with that? I want to focus mostly on the second part today because we did this work last week. I don't want to redo the work, but let's read it together and then we'll quickly go through and get to um, the new thing. Oh, but I forgot to say, next week, Kevin's in the house next week. Look at that picture we found of him. He's like 15. (laughs) Anyway, he'll be home next week so we get to celebrate Kevin, which is really cool. He's staying with the Bowdens and they need help with some rides and stuff. So if you can help, I think he needs a ride like on Friday getting here. So see Danielle and Andrew. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. Kevin, okay. Matthew 13. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he, sa- then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered as, as, he, scattered as he went, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, what do you, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Those who listen to my teaching, more, understand, more understanding will be given. They, um, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't see. He's quoting Isaiah now. They look, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't get to see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't get to hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, but don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches it away, and the seed that was was planted in their heart. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly... The message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. 
That's a good word. That's a good, clear word from the Lord. Okay, so four types of soil, right? And we talked about last week how Mark tells this story as well. Actually, this is in three of the four Gospels. Mark tells this story as well. In the Gospel of Mark, um, before he tells the story, there's examples in the preceding chapters of all four of these types of soil. Um, in the, the first one, the footpath, uh, you see Pharisees and religious leaders. They don't understand what he's saying. They want the well-trodden, this is how it happens, this is what it does. They want a well-trodden path. They have so well-trodden that path, their heart is hard. They have no ability to hear God or move with what he's doing. How many of you, either for your own life or you could look around and just see, there are people who at some point had a really important experience with God. They genuinely had an encounter with God and then they became religious. And now they're doing the motions of the Christian life. They've got a well-pat-down path. But inside, there's no joy. There's no peace. There's lots of bitterness. They sit with lots of unforgiveness and offense. And how many you know what I'm talking about? And so the word of the Lord can come to them. And they're like, oh, I know. I can't tell you often, people who've been saved for a long time, but clearly we all still need God to work on us, right? I mean, he's <laughs> telling me terrible things, right? He can tell you stuff too. Um, anyway, I'm just saying, right? We've all got stuff. I already shared stuff he was telling me earlier. So, right? We've all got stuff that at times we're like, oh, I need to, I need to die to my flesh in that. And then let him raise me up to new life in that area, right? Um, all of us have that. But listen, sometimes the going to church and doing the good works becomes the thing. You know, when we got saved, we felt like, God, I owe you such a debt. But after 20, 30 years, we're like, I've been paying on that debt. <laughs> we don't feel that sense of joyfulness at our salvation. It's almost like, well, I've, I've done good works now. I've been doing your stuff. What are you doing for me? There are a lot of people who at some point had a genuine encounter with God, and that's where they live now. They have this well-trodden path of religious service, religious doing, of giving, of whatever, but there's no life, there's no relationship, there's no him, right? So when the word comes, they're kind of like, ah, oh, been there, done that. Ugh, been there, done that. And no word really permeates. One thing that I have found really interesting is the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 18 really reveals hearts doesn't it? Our own heart. It reveals hearts. When Jesus says, hey, if you've got a promise, someone, go and talk to them. That seems really simple instruction. If you've got a promise, someone, go talk to them, talk to them alone. Don't tell 20 people about it. Go talk to them. And if you can't work it out, find a couple of people who are elders, people you both respect, you know, in the Lord, and, and sit down and work it out. There are so many people I know who've been saved for decades, and they clearly are harboring unforgiveness toward people. And I said, have you talked to them? And it's, it's almost like Matthew 18 is down here. I'm already way up here above that. How many of you know I'm talking about? Don't, do, Ben's like, I know. I know Ben was saying, I've been there, I know that, or both. But, right, we, right? We can almost feel like when someone gives us good godly advice, like, have you talked to that person yet? It's almost like, oh, I know all of that. But did you do it? That's Christianity 101. And you've got people who know a lot about God because they've sat in church for decades and they're not doing following Jesus 101. 
Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart clear. Pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. Pray for your enemies, right? That's like, that's like kindergarten entry level into Christianity. It's hard to do, but that's pretty simple to understand stuff. You get what I'm saying? That hardened path, that hardened path, the word no longer permeates. We know too much. We already know. Man, that's a bad place. I want to let Jesus teach me until the day I die, right? That's who we are, that softness of heart and humility. There's the rocky path, the crowds who wanted the miracles, but they rejected the teachings of transformation. Do more stuff for me, God, but stop the teaching. Just do the healing. I don't want transformation. I just want the candy, right? Shallow soil. I get mad at God when things don't go my way because I see God as a dispenser and not as my Savior and Transformer and Lord, right? Rocky soil. Thorny soil. An example of this from Mark is Jesus' family. Jesus' family had some struggles with him. At one point, they're like, why don't you just come home, babe? His mom comes to him. You know what? This is getting a little intense. Why don't you just come home? And he's like, look around. These are my brothers. <laughs> These are my mothers. That's a hard word for a mom, right? But they really were like, the cares of this world. What do people think of me? What are, right? All these cares of the world began to crowd out what the actual message was. And then the good soil, the good soil produces fruit. The good soil, it finds good soil to dig into where it's going to get nurtured, that word. It's going to get stewarded. There are so many times you're going to steward a revelation God gives you and you won't immediately see the fruit of it and you're like, am I doing it wrong? But that seed is germinating and that seed is getting fed and that seed is exploding underground and you don't see anything above the ground yet, but it's happening. Life comes from the dark, right? It, life happens in the dark. It's exploding underground. It's getting ready to, how have you been, you've had a word and you're like, God, I've received that word. God, that was revelation to my soul. I'm stewarding that word. I'm holding on to it. Where's the fruit? Has anyone else been there? Man, I've been there. But that's the process. And when that thing springs, what happens? It's not just a plant. It begins to bring 10 and 20 and 30 and 60 fold. While you are stewarding that little seed, you're like, is anything even happening? I feel like I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. Is anything even happening? But once it explodes, whoo, now there's this harvest you have to steward. And it makes me think the lessons we learned when it was hard to steward that seed are exactly the things we need to know when we have to steward the harvest. If we didn't learn the lessons we were stewarding the seed that we couldn't see any fruit from, we will not be able to steward the harvest that comes from the seed. Are you with me? And I feel like that's exactly where we're at. Hibernation is about, to, did, we learn, did we learn the lessons of stewardship in hibernation? Because it's about to pop. Did we learn? I'm asking myself the question, have I learned? There are lessons I'm like, oh, I, I don't know that I totally learned that. Like I'm actually assessing the soil of my heart and saying, God, did I learn all the stewardship lessons I need? for what comes next. That's a hard mirror to look in. 
But the good soil produces fruit, that seed finds a place in the ground, in the dark, and begins to germinate and then comes to fruit. So checking the soil of your heart, just very quickly, Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. We spent time on this last week, so I'm not gonna spend a lot, but it's really important. It's really important. I wanna make sure we all get it. It doesn't say faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's a little more involved than that, isn't it? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Are you catching what he's laying down? What did Jesus say? What was their problem? What was their heart problem? What was their soil problem? You're not hearing. It's all in front of you, but you're not hearing and you're not seeing. What happens when we allow the word to permeate our lives? What begins to happen? Faith comes from the word, right? As the word, but what's coming through the word? Hearing. Hearing is coming through the word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So listen, you can hear scripture all the time and scripture won't return void, so I know it's always working. But there's people that sit and listen to scripture every Sunday and aren't being transformed. Faith isn't growing. Why? They have no ears to hear. They have no ears to hear. Where does faith come from? It comes from hearing. It comes from hearing. When my cousin went to Harvard Divinity School for his graduate work, he didn't meet another believer. In the divinity school, he didn't meet one believer. In the divinity school. They're studying biblical texts and religious texts all the time. No faith is coming from it. They don't have ears to hear. They have an idolatry of doubt they live out of. And they have no ears to hear. Faith comes from actually hearing the word. How do you begin to open your ears to God's voice and what he's speaking through his word? You get in the word. You get in the word with a heart that says, I want to hear. And how does your hearing increase? You get in the word. The more words you get into with a heart disposed to hear, the better your hearing's going to get. And then faith will come as you're hearing the word of God, as your ears are open to it. How do you get your ears open to it? Get in it. Get in it with a heart for relationship. Get in it with a heart to hear. Not, I better check off my whatever. I better go to church and hear a sermon. But God, I'm coming for transformation. I'm coming to hear you today. My heart is open. And when I come to the word, I'm going to learn even more how to hear you. The word of God is a revelation of who he is. He is revealing himself to us. And the more we take it in with a heart disposed to have good soil, the more our hearing opens up. And so pretty soon you're walking around, you're not doing your devotions and you're getting revelation. Your hearing, your ability to hear has increased because you've taken time in his word, in his presence. Does this make sense? Okay. So we talked last week about developing a rhythm of the word. And I want to get some concrete stuff here because we can all agree with everything I've just said. But then you've actually got to do it, right? You've actually got to do it. So the rhythm of the word, having a daily rhythm of the word is great. A weekly rhythm of the word is really, really good because sometimes your daily rhythms can be crazy, but everybody can find one time in the week to say, I'm going to take half an hour 
or not, whatever time you have. If you're just starting, maybe it's half an hour. But you can actually take longer and say, I'm going to take time to read what's in the Word. Maybe, put, maybe if the way you connect with God is through worship, you can actually put on some worship in your house and just be in His presence for a minute. Be still in His presence. Take some time, right? If you can develop a weekly rhythm of meeting with God on your own, apart from church, on your own, you can live out of that overflow. Then the daily rhythm becomes much easier because you've gotten, right, you've gotten charged. And now, especially like when I was, my kids were babies, I mean, seriously, my prayer was like, God, let me get at least a psalm in before my feet have touched the ground. I just want to, and there were some days I never was able to come back to stuff. Life got crazy, but I had a weekly rhythm of overflow. And so even when the days got crazy, it generated enough overflow, my days, right? How many of you are with me? Developing a weekly time where you're like, I'm actually going to take time. Maybe you're going to sit down and you want to get in a podcast and then be in the Word, and, right? You're going to take time to strengthen yourself in the Lord. I think sometimes starting with a weekly rhythm is easier to start with a daily rhythm. But a daily rhythm is really important because it brings us back every day. You can't go too far off if you're getting this presence every day. Your heart can't go too far astray if you know you're going to face them again, right? You can't hold on to unforgiveness too long when you know you're going to meet them again in the morning. And you set your heart right. So daily is very important. But anyway, so these are rhythms you can set in the Word. And then I suggest there's some places to start. If you don't have a rhythm in your life, a daily rhythm in your life, here's some places to start. Start in the Gospels. Mark is an easy place to start by yourself. But you need to get in love with Jesus. Like you need, look upon him until you're like, I get what he's doing. I'm fascinated with him. Right? And once, so you might stay in the Gospels for a long time. No big deal. You might read the same one over and over and over again for a while. Awesome. But we need to have Jesus fixed in our mind. How many of you are with me? You know what I'm saying? So if you're like, I'm going to start a Bible reading program. I'm going to start in the Old Testament and just go in order. Those are the ones who came out the other shoot, the rule keepers, right? Don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad to read through the Bible, but don't, I don't, would not start there. Start with Jesus. You, can you do it if you want to? Sure, you can. I'm just suggesting the entire Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. The entire New Testament is about Jesus. So really start with Jesus. You'll understand the Old Testament better when you get some of this stuff down. How many of you have started from Genesis before and you, by Leviticus you're struggling? <laughs> so just start with Jesus. You can always go back and do a whole Bible reading program, but start with Jesus. Um, and then James. It's a great little New Testament book, five chapters, but it's so practical, advice for living. The book of James. And then Colossians. Big picture Jesus stuff. He is supreme over all things. Every single thing is under his foot. Here's what he's doing. Here's what you, he's inviting you into. It's, whoo, it's meta-narrative stuff. It's really, really fantastic. So here's what I want to offer to you. After feedback from last week, I realized that there's a lot of people wanting to start a rhythm of abiding. And could you doing it? Now, maybe you have a rhythm of abiding and you'd like to do this too. Cool, you totally can. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer to you. And if there's, if there's a desire for it, we'll do it. I feel, like there's gonna, I feel like from the feedback I got last week, there'll be a desire for it. But here's what I came up with from the feedback from last week. I'm going to start a Facebook group. 
called Deeper, where we're going to practice abiding together. And the idea behind this group, we're going to start with the gospel. We'll probably start with Luke because we're going to do it together. Um, we're going to go through Luke, James, and Colossians. It's going to take us a while because we're going to go slow. We're going to dig into it. Um, but the idea behind this group is Monday through Friday, you're going to check in, right? So we're going to have the daily reading, and then we'll have a chance where we can discuss it. I'll have some guided reading, so I'll go through some teaching on, give some context for things. If that's helpful for you, you can watch it. If it's not, you don't have to watch it. Um, but it's there for you if you want it. And then we'll have a chance where people who are also doing the reading can check in and be like, hey, here's something God spoke to me, or hey, I have a question about that. And we can actually, in community, develop a daily Bible reading plan together. If you want to. If you want to. I think it could be super, super fun. It'll be very simple sections, very easy to do. Um, but we get to do it in community if you'd like to. Now, you may have a rhythm, a rhythm already of devotions in your life. Cool. But you also want to do this. Awesome. I would love that. But I know for some of you, this is going to be crucial for you to develop a rhythm. And I want to do it with you. I want to come alongside you and do that with you. It's so important to do. So if you are interested, if you're interested this week, I would like you to find me on Facebook, Rachel Boer Ross. Or you can email me if you want to be part of the Facebook group. It will be super encouraging, super encouraging. So let me know if you're interested, and then I'll give you the download of how it's going to work. And the following Monday will start, if you're interested. It got so quiet in the room, now I'm afraid. Okay. I was really excited. I think I, think I have a solution for this. Okay, me and Kathy are going to do it. So if you want to do it with us. <laughs> um, but I think we'll emerge from that. Many of us, maybe who don't have a, a daily rhythm, are going to emerge the regular daily rhythm and a hunger to keep it going. Amen. Talk about transformation. When you invite the Word of God into your life on a daily basis, you're going to have transformation. If you've got ears to hear, you're going to have transformation. So, if you're interested, that's how you um, get a part of that. The second part, when you're the sower. So we've talked about checking the heart when seed, the word of God hits our heart, checking our heart and getting the word of God into us. But this is really crucial for us going into who we are as a church. As a church, our mission is to equip people to be and to make disciples, which means we need to see ourselves as people who sow seed, who sow the word of God. We're not just passively saying, oh, I hope somebody feeds me well today. We need to see ourselves as empowered people who've been fed by the Lord and have sprouted up fruit. Now we are the sowers. The sower sowed seed as he went. He wasn't saying, let me check this ground and see if it's ready. He just sowed the seed everywhere. And three types of ground were bad and one type was good. <laughs> but he just sowed it everywhere. Now we've talked about looking for people of peace. Who you're gonna invest time in are people of peace. Where you sow seed of the word is everywhere. As you go. And if, it's, if you have it coming into you, it's what's gonna come out of you. Whatever you put into yourself is what's gonna come out of yourself. That's for sure. There's times my kids will sing a song, and I'm like, where'd you learn that song? You know, like, we don't play that song in our house. Where'd you play? I'm just curious. It's not something we play. I'm just curious. They'll be like, oh, the skating rink they had or whatever. What happened? 
What you put into yourself is what comes out of yourself. How many of you have water coolers at work? Oh, like three people. All right, not a great example, but I'm gonna go with it. So, water cooler talk, what's happening? You are hearing about everyone's latest Netflix bends. That's what you're hearing about. The latest Netflix binge, that is what you're hearing about. In the lunchroom, by the water cooler, with, right? Did it change their life? Is that what they're talking about it? No. Nope. Do they even necessarily like it that much? Nope. But it's what they binged on, and so guess what's coming out? Hey, did you watch the new episode of blah, 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 blah? No, I didn't. Well, let me tell you about it anyway. Blah, 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 right? You cannot help yourself. What's your, if you are taking in the word of God, what is natural to happen all around you comes out. When God's at work in your life, what naturally comes out? People are talking about their life, and you're like, you know what? I saw someone get healed this weekend. It was amazing, right? What do you mean someone got healed? Well, I'll tell you. When you are ingesting God, you almost have to stop yourself from doing it. And we do stop ourselves. Why? Because we've been told in our culture, don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion. And so we often stop ourselves from talking about very natural things that God's doing you know what? I think that's been a bad plan. Number one, God says, don't be a light hidden. Don't put a basket over your light. It needs to shine for men to see the thing, glorify your father, right? But not only that, just logically, I think that's been a bad plan because now we have a culture who doesn't know how to talk about politics or religion. <laughs> and it's not doing good for us. We should have learned how to have hard conversations. We should have learned how to have conversations where we disagree. Because everyone's like, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion. Now we're at a point where nobody knows how to talk about politics or religion without hating people. So listen, it was a bad plan all the way around. <laughs> we're going to chuck that. We're just going to talk about naturally what God's doing, what he's doing through our lives. That's how the seed's going out on all the different ground. It's just naturally coming out of you. It's the natural conversation you would have because that's the most important thing happening in your life. Or I'm walking through a hard season, but man, God's there with me. I look back and I can see his hand and I can, right? It's amazing. One of my favorite stories is um, Papa Ben. Did he, oh, he, oh, he probably had to find the bathroom on the second floor. He drinks teacups like this. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to tell his story while he's in the second floor bathroom. One of my favorite stories from Papa Ben is um, he was walking through just a terrible season in his life. Um, a lot of things were falling apart and he got diagnosed with cancer and like every bad thing that could happen landed on this guy like Job. It was bad season. It was bad season. Danielle, do you remember the orange juice in that season? At Angelo's? Yes. Um, okay. Oh, there he is. We thought you were in the second floor, Ben. He's in the first floor. Oh, Tarek had to go to the second floor. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling one of your stories. A difficult season you walked through. So Ben's walking. He's probably like, what did she just tell them? I'm not going to tell you. Um, he walked through a difficult season. And he'd be whistling at work. And people were like, how in the world do you have any joy at all? Right? They were like, what in the world? You're going through this and this. And he's like, he still had joy. He's whistling worship songs. And people are like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, what's wrong with you? 
And what, it was a testimony to God. It wasn't like he was feeling like he's got to put it on or suppress stuff. But naturally, the difficulty drove him to God. And in this horrible season, what's he thinking on and meditating on? The Lord. And what's coming out of him? Fruit of the Spirit. And people are shocked by it. So I'm not saying like your life's a good testimony and everything's right. I'm saying no matter what's happening in your life, if it's driving you to Jesus, you're a testimony. You'll reflect his glory. The seed you sow is going to be good. When you're a sower, you are sowing as you go. The farmer doesn't worry about what kind of soil it is. This is crucial because we'll sow seed, we'll say something on God, and people won't receive it well. And we're like, did I do that wrong? How many of you have done that? Man, God, I really feel like you highlighted that person for me, but it didn't go really well. Maybe I didn't hear you. How many of you have been there? Maybe I did it wrong. But look it. The sower just sowed seed. Jesus got rejected more than he got received. It's not because he missed the Father. God in his mercy is going to sow seed even on hard ground. And sometimes... It's that seed sown on a hard ground that changes the soil. Like we talked about last week, in ancient times in ancient Israel, when they, when they would sow seed, they didn't like plow ground and put seed in the little, what do you call it? In the trenches, that we would call it with farmers? Farmers? What is it? The furrow. I knew you guys would know. Right? You plant seed in that furrow and then you cover it up. That's how we do it. Back, what would they do then? Here's the farm ground. The sowers would go out and they're sowing this part of the ground. They would just sow that seed right on top. And then what happened? Where they sowed the seed, that's what called for the plow. Then the plow would come up, till up that ground, and drive the seed underground. Come on, are you getting the word from that? Sometimes you're so unseen, you're like, man, that felt like hard ground. But your faithfulness to sow that seed is what called for the plow of the Holy Spirit to come and plow up the ground. Are you with me? This is the picture Jesus has in mind. That's how seed throwing happened. You throw seed, that ground might be bad, but you throwing the seed is the very thing that starts the process of that ground becoming ready for the word. And the next person who throws seed gets a little different reaction. The next person who throws seed gets a little different reaction until finally they're like, God is after me. <laughs> I surrender. How many of you have that story where you're like, there were many people who revealed Jesus to you before you actually submitted to Jesus, right? There was some poor joker with Ben who was the first person to cast seed. And I'm sure Ben's reaction wasn't awesome. Did they get it wrong? Did they not hear the Father? No. They were right on time. He knows where he's placed you. He knows where your feet are going to walk today. And everywhere we go, we're casting seed. Casting seed. The quality of the ground your seed hits on should never be the determining factor of whether or not you're hearing God. Not ever. He'll show you. If you go far, he'll show you. How many of you have kind of gotten it wrong? You got too angry, you got too, you got too whatever about something. He was like, yeah, a little, a little course correction. How many of you had a little course corrections? When we were too something, we got a little overzealous or we tried to control people to Jesus or, right? A lot of hands went up. You don't have to wonder if you're hearing God. He'll show you. Get moving. You can steer a moving ship.
You can't steer a ship that's docked. Get moving. Get sewing. Don't worry about, did I get it wrong? Did I get it wrong? Man, it's going to fall on a lot of bad ground. And that's going to be what turns that ground. The seed the sower planted was the same everywhere. The soil was different. It's not like, wow, this person got saved. I must have done everything right. Your seed hit good soil. What's coming out of you is going to be consistent for the most part. The soil doesn't determine it. Oh, there's so many places I want to go with you, and we can't. Ah. We can't. We'll have to save it for next week. This all dovetails in. Oh, man. I, like, there's three pages. It's not going to happen. Ah. Oh, man. I, there's something I want to leave it on, but we're just not going to have time to do it. Okay, so you've got to come next week because we're going to talk vision, and we're going to, it dovetails into this. Here's where I wanted to end with you today, and we'll pick it up next week with our vision. We need to look at sowers of seed. We need to look at how Jesus invited people into a relationship with himself. When that seed hit ground and the ground was willing to receive it, Jesus challenged people. He didn't say, hey, just try Jesus. Just try me. See if you're like me. This was not his message to people. He didn't say, hey, if you'll come and you'll follow me, I'm going to give you your best life now, like everything you ever wanted, totally given you. He wasn't like bribing people to come to him. Like most of the message we have in the first world church is not the message that Jesus gave people. It's not necessarily that we're saying totally wrong things, but we're not saying some very important things. Like people would come to Jesus to follow him. And he would say things like, are you sure? Did you count the cost? Because here's where I'm going. Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm ready to lay my life down for you. Okay, um, he looks in this young rich ruler's heart, and he sees money as his idol, and he says, I need you to sell everything first. Sell everything first, then come follow me. And the rich young ruler goes away sad. He's not willing to do it. When people got to a point where the seed had germinated, and they were ready to make a decision for Jesus, Jesus made it very clear what that decision meant. When the Holy Spirit is at work in people and the Father is drawing them to Jesus, they can handle high challenge. Jesus invites them into a relationship, but he also challenges people. This is crucially important because I think what happens is people start feeling like butterflies or like tingly. They're like, I can feel the presence of God. And we're like, oh, you must be saved. No, the Father's drawing them. We need to be good stewards of what he's doing in that moment and say, listen, surrender to his lordship. And I want to talk more through that because really when you, there's another parable Jesus tells and he says, listen, there's a field and the farmer planted seed. And the, and the enemy of the farmer came in and planted weeds at night. And the weeds and the wheat began to grow up together. And they said, what do we do? Should we pull the weeds? And he said, you can't pull all those weeds or you'll lose all the wheat too. You've got to let the weeds and the wheat grow up together. And then when it's time for harvest, the Lord of the harvest will separate the weeds from the wheat and the weeds will be burned and blown away as chaff. 
and the wheat will obviously go to eternal life. It's people. And I feel like it's been very easy for people to come to church and get like a shot of hope, but never make Jesus Lord. And so you have wheat and weeds in the first world church because we've preached an easy gospel. We've preached no discipleship. We've said, God will make your life a little bit easier. And listen, he's amazing. His love is so good. His, his love draws us to repentance. His kindness, it's not that there aren't amazing things about God, but how many of you know there's a moment where you've got to count the cost and say, it's not like I'm adding Jesus to my life. I'm living in the kingdom of darkness right now. And he wants to take me to an entirely different kingdom. My flesh is going to die. My old nature is going to die. And he's going to give me a new nature. In this old world, I was a slave to sin. And sin was fine. In this new world, I become a slave to righteousness. And holiness becomes my new hunger. And it's not going to work to stay in the old rhythms of sin. Because he's holy. And I can't be in his presence if I love, you, you can't have two masters, right? You have to make a choice. And when people are never made to understand the choice, they just come and start becoming better citizens. But never experience freedom in Christ. Never experience salvation. There's no power of the Holy Spirit running through them. And the world is confused by it. God is calling us to count the cost, to enter fully, and not just to think, wow, I love being around the kingdom of light. I'm still totally living as a person in the kingdom of darkness. But I like hanging around the kingdom of light because it's warm and it's happy. So I get a happy shot once a week. God is calling you to be transported into a new kingdom. The old is going to pass away. Everything's going to become new. We count our lives as lost for the sake of following Christ. I mean, our lives are lost. We get his life in exchange. Like, it's a really good trade-off, but it is a trade-off. Are you, are you with me? There's a place God's calling us into where we need to understand we've chosen to follow him. We've chosen to be disciples who do what he does, say what he says, are like he was. That's where we're heading. And it's a whole different destination than where this world is heading. It won't look anything like it, but it's glorious. So I'm going to leave it there with you today. <laughs> wow, I'm going to leave it there with you today. But that really sets us up for next week, where we're going. It's where we've always been going, but I just think it's crystallizing in a way um, that is different for us as we come into this new year because there's a new season we're coming into and we will have had to have counted the cost to come into this next season. How many of you can feel that? Like God's saying all of you, all of you, all of you, all of you, all of you. Would you stand? Worship team, come on up. I'm sorry, I've gone a little long and it could have gone a lot longer, but I feel like these are things that we as a congregation, we as a people of God, he is calling us to think deeply about and make decisions about. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus?
What he offers is adoption by the God of the universe to be adopted as sons and daughters of God, share in the full inheritance of Christ. But it's a whole different life than my old life. What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with him? Because there comes a point you've got to make a decision. You're all in or you're out. The one thing you can't do with Jesus is go halfway. He doesn't make that possible. He's Lord or he's not. And so as we come to worship, um, I just want to open it up. What is God speaking to you? Maybe there's something he's stirring up through the sermon, but I believe it's this new year. Many of you, God's been already stirring things up. He's already been speaking to you. Let's take time to solidify those things as you worship. Maybe you want to come and receive prayer and just say, hey, here's something God's doing. Here's what he's speaking. I'd love to cover that prayer. Join with me in prayer. Ken and Gregor and back on this side. There's folks to pray on this side. The brethren is on this side. Let's take some time. Respond to God. Take some time to respond to God. Maybe there's a believer near you. You want to pray with them. Say, hey, would you pray over this with me? This of God's stirring up. But let's take some time. Motion. Let's do something with what he's stirring. Right? Not just keep thinking, but let's put it out. Say it out loud. And begin to put it before the Lord. Amen? Amen.
crimson stain He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow God is good, amen His presence is so good This is going to be a good year God is speaking. God is speaking. And I'm so thankful that we get to be part of a body that loves each other well. Right? We're committed. I love the idea of, you know, we're not just committed when things are going well, but like we can walk with people when things get hard. We can walk with each other when things get hard. Amen. Amen. God is so good. Would you pray with me? as we finish this service. I think they're going to keep, there's one more song, they're going to worship you from the stay in worship. If you've got to go, you can go. But let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you. What are we singing? Nothing but the blood. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Let's finish on. Nothing but the blood.